please stand for the reading of the gospel, uh, if you're able. We're going to be reading from Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating foods with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, and they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. The word of our Lord. You may be seated. If I were to walk up and down the aisle, which I will not do, to ask you to describe the religious or spiritual practice that you follow in order to draw you closer to God, you may refer to them as spiritual disciplines. I wonder, I wonder which disciplines, which religious practices would you name? What I've discovered is that religious practices, spiritual disciplines, religious traditions can either draw us closer to God or they can move us away from God. Let me give you just a very brief example. For one who decides to pray every day at 12 noon, the question would be, while you are praying, that's a spiritual discipline, while you're praying the Lord's Prayer, are you being drawn closer to God? Are you experiencing God's presence? Or is it just a matter of rote? 12 o'clock, I'll pray, I've prayed, I'm through, let's move on. Here's the question. Do the religious practices, spiritual disciplines draw you closer to God, or do they prevent us from seeing God seeing our neighbors, seeing even the stranger. One may ask the question, how is it possible? Well, I give you an example, but even more so in the gospel lesson today, we read about uh, the Pharisees who are devout people. They are committed through their words and their actions to show that they 
are close to God, that God is important to them. In today's gospel lesson, we see that they are paying attention to what others are doing, or should I say not doing. And so they approach Jesus, you've heard the gospel lesson, because what they have noticed is that Jesus, who's a Jew, has disciples who are also Jews who are not following the ritual of washing their hands. We're not talking about turning on the faucet, washing your hands. So it's a ceremonial washing of the hands, probably as much water as, as one commentator said, an egg and a half, that much water. But it was ceremonial. It was to prove, to demonstrate that they were close to God. And so the Jews, the Pharisees, were just tied in knots. Because here were these Jews not demonstrating, showing that they were righteous, that they belonged to God. It's amazing how Jesus responds to them, isn't it? Because you see, what Jesus is able to do is Jesus is able to look beyond the surface. And Jesus sees the heart. And so what Jesus says to them in essence is that, you know what, you're so busy following not the Torah, the law of God, but you're following the oral Torah, which are the explanations that rabbis gave regarding the Torah from generation to generation to generation. So now we look at the written Torah and yet the oral Torah, the explanations of the written Torah are so long. You see, the Pharisees said to Jesus, your disciples are breaking the law because they've not washed their hands. And yet, beloved, if we were to go to Exodus chapter 30, we would note that Moses said to Aaron and his sons, priests are to wash their hands before serving God. What the Pharisees did is that they took the written Torah, and they added to it to the point that now these Jews are saying, these Pharisees are saying to Jesus, all Jews are supposed to wash their hands. But that's not what the written Torah said. It said, priests are to wash their hands. And then Jesus, Jesus, he, he calls them hypocrites. You know, uh, hypocrisy is about pretending to be what you're not. He calls them hypocrites. And if you were to look at Matthew, you'll find that he uses stronger words than that. He just calls them evil. Why would he call them hypocrites? It's easy. Because although there was this outward appearance of holiness, although there was this outward appearance of following God, although there was this outward appearance of their being close to God, he knew their hearts. And what he knew was that they really were not following God. They were following the traditions of the elders. I wonder how many of us in the life of the church are so busy following traditions of the elders to the point that we've lost sight of what God is calling us to be and we've lost sight of what God, of what God is calling us to do. Religious hypocrisy is dangerous. Religious hypocrisy 
is dangerous because religious hypocrisy uses sacred teachings about truth itself. And it elevates it for self-deception. In other words, religious hypocrisy makes our pretending both a distortion of truth and a substitute for it. If you were to read your history books, I would suggest to you that any time the word of God has been used by Christians to create harm, hypocrisy has taken place. So Israel's religion had laws on purity and holiness, Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2, and yet the, Jew, the Pharisees created religious hypocrisy around that because they decided what holiness would look like. They decided what truth would look like. Yeah, the Pharisees recited Exodus chapter 19, verse 6 to support their teachings. I said Exodus 30, my era, Exodus 19. But here's the good news. Before the good news, let me tell you the bad news. The bad news is Jesus describes a heart that is turned from God, and that can be found in Mark 7, 21, whereby he lifts up the evil that comes from one. You've heard Isaiah 29, verse 13 read in your hearing. But now, here's the good news. What does it look like for us to follow Jesus Christ? What, what, what's the vision? What's the vision for the church? So that when people look at us, they can say, oh, by your example, by your word, I know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ. I am so glad you asked. You see, Jesus Christ clarifies what it looks like to follow him. And more importantly, he clarifies what it looks like to follow God. What it looks like to be identified with God. And this is what he says. He lets us know that God is concerned about justice. As you read through God's word, you see, I see, you read, I read, that God is concerned about justice. I call that biblical justice. He wants the oppressed to be set free, and he wants to destroy that that binds people. Isaiah chapter 58, verses 6 and 7 read, Now, is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood in parentheses when they have a need? Pastor added the parentheses. This is God's clear vision. God says, when you carry out this vision, people will know that you belong to me. People will know that you 
and I have this authentic, real relationship. There's no hypocrisy there. This is God's clear vision, to have a heart devoted to God, an undeviled heart. We will focus on this vision as individuals and as the body of Jesus Christ. We, the body of Jesus Christ, the light of the world, we have been given this clear vision. We are not called to live in isolation. We're not called to live in our own cocoons. We are called to carry out God's vision. Oh my, I'm excited. As we move forward as the body of Christ, as God's change agent in the world, advancing God's kingdom of love, again, we have God's clear vision that we are to follow. Now, guess what? This vision does not remain in the Old Testament. Because you see, when you turn to Luke chapter 4 and read Jesus' inaugural address, you hear the same vision. Listen, please. Beginning with verse 16. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it. He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Oh my, oh my, oh my, our God is awesome. Yes, this is our vision. And I'm real clear, I'm real clear that there are people who show up on a Sunday morning who are oppressed. They show up in our congregations. They are oppressed by the weight of the world, by insecurities, by insufficiencies. They are oppressed and they're wondering, is the one who can set me free? My response is yes, Jesus Christ and his church. There are persons who are showing up poor, not just poor in spirit, but financially they're struggling. And the question is, can the church set them free? And the answer is yes. I'm so thankful that Mark Bradford has volunteered his services to teach a financial management class in October. Because you see, through that class, there are people who will be able to discover financial principles that will help them not to remain poor. There are brokenhearted people <laughs> that show up in our congregations, not only in the world, but they're also in our congregations. And we're called and we can do it. We've done it before. We'll continue to do it, to speak life into their lives, to be 
the companion on their journey whereby they will experience healing. Yes, our God is an awesome God. And we do not have to wonder what the church of Jesus Christ is to be about. We do not have to wonder, Evangel Heights UMC, what are we to be about? He's told us in his word. So let's be very, very clear about why we are moving forward with this fundraising idea because God has plans for this church, which is to continue to make disciples of Jesus Christ so that we can bring about transformation in the world. And that transformation will take the form of our being intentional about breaking the chains of injustice, about loosening the, the yokes that bind people, about setting the oppressed free within and beyond the four walls of our congregation. Yes, as we move forward as the body of Jesus Christ, we will continue to keep before us this vision, knowing that God is faithful to bless us and to sustain us as we continue to go forth to let men, women, boys, and girls know that Evangel Heights United Methodist Church is a church that does not follow traditions, the kind of traditions that will keep us focusing in upon ourselves. No, Evangel Heights is a congregation that has a vision which is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. And as we go out into the world, engaging with those who are bound, engaging with those who are poor, engaging with those who have lost hope, we, we will be the answer. Thanks be to God. Loving God, we give you thanks for the clear vision that we have, and we thank you for the ways in which you will continue to use us to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. In Jesus Christ's name, we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.